Hello, and welcome to Stay Street Jason, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my friend, co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. How's things? Ah, not bad, Justin. Bearing in mind all the nonsense going on in the world, uh, I'm once again reminded how lucky I am. How are things in sunny Canada? Well, again, it's I'm staying away from the news, so I'm trying to, uh, you know, it's a horrible thing that's going off. I think every podcast starts with a disclaimer on it. So we'll join in um, horrible stuff going on at the moment. We certainly hoping the best for everybody that is affected by this whole mess. And hopefully things get sorted out very, very soon. Uh, apart from me, though, I'm here, which means I survived my trips too. <gasps> and the best part. Tell me more. I did not need my extra pair of underwear. Yeah, but still, it made you feel good to have them. Well, I drove out, well, we record this on a Thursday, so a little tip of the hat. I drove out, I left the house at 4.30 on Tuesday morning, and apparently I had left the house before snowplows had started their shift for the day. Uh, so there is a couple of mountain passes that I have to go through, and the first one was a little bit sketchy. I didn't need any coffee at 4.30 in the morning, Stu. I was clutching and it was touch and go on whether I'd need that extra pair of underwear. <laughs> I had uh, ice, I had snow, I had blowing snow and zero visibility in the dark on the ice with nobody else on the road through a mountain. What could go wrong? Well, I bet that got the heart going, bit of adrenaline. I, I was awake. I was awake for the whole trip. There was no question about that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting. Uh, I realized just how unforgiving those mountains could be. Uh, we had a wonderful drive back last night. I got in late, but again, going through that pass, a bit sketchy there. I, I'm driving along and I can see the light on my dashboard flashing, telling me, oh, your wheels are spinning. You know, the, uh, what do they call that? Traction uh, control. Traction control. Yeah, that was lighting up like a Christmas tree. It was quite interesting. Mm. And, and then I, I went into this hotel. Now, when you book online, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this because I know you're going to a little hotel in London when you go there. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to a hotel under renovation? Oh, yes. Have they ever told you that it was under renovation? <laughs> Funny you should say it, but I, I just, just this week booked one night in a hotel and having completed the booking, saw on the bottom of the page under the privacy disclaimer next to the cookies thing, mm -hmm. a tiny little link, which took me to a little page saying, World War Three is going on 15 centimeters from the room you've booked. Mm -hmm. Don't say we didn't tell you. I'm sure that's not what it said, but I think that's what it means. Mm. Uh, and that's the one the one night that I'll have Mrs. Lennon with me in the room. So that's going to go well. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I turned the corner. So I, I checked in as, you, as one does, uh, walked around the corner to my room and to find the elevator. What it looked like, I, I suppose we shouldn't use World War Three at this point, but... That's true, yeah. There were holes in the walls, everything, you know, the... the um, carpet had been taped with sort of this cardboard stuff. I mean, it looked like the ideal place to get rid of a body. Oh, well. I wasn't sure if I was in a movie set for zombies or, uh, 
yeah, it was just the oddest place. And of course, you know, this, this place, cause I booked on price, uh, Mrs. T had recommended this place. Mm -hmm. uh, so I booked cause it was cheap. I was in a little, well, cardboard box with holes in the walls on the outside, plugs hanging out, uh, right strategically placed. So my bed was at the back of the elevator. Excellent. You know, that kind of thing. I, I had a wonderful view of the neon lights of the, the lube station next to us. It was, I, I, it was just such a wonderful place. I had an entire shower of lukewarm water when it was on max hot until the very end when it came on so hot that I basically jumped out of the shower. <laughs> uh, the sink didn't drain. It was, it was like a comedy of errors. And by the time I got back to the hotel, I was just too tired to care. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I, I'm going to sleep on this thing, this plank that they call a bed. I'm just going to sleep there and tomorrow night I'm back in my own bed. So it was fine, but oh my gosh, uh, traveling, it sucks. <laughs> Indeed it does. You're not filling me with loads of confidence for my trip, but <laughs> yeah, I'm booked now. Um, we've got plane tickets. Uh, I'm, I'm in North London with the wife for one night Then I'm going down to see my mum for a few days. And then from there, well, I've got a couple of different places to go. And I just, honestly, just putting together the logistics and, uh, you know, the way that rates work, um, you know, you, you have to read <laughs> yeah. four pages just to see if you can cancel it or, oh, honestly, just so, so boring. I mean, I have to say, I, I am one of those sort of fireproof people. Um, my wife hates me for this, but I... I barely notice what a hotel room looks like. I barely notice what a bed feels like. Uh, I'm one of those people that can go, right, it's time for me to go to sleep. And, and that's it. I'm asleep. Oh, wow. And Mrs. Lennon will let you sleep during this time where things are no. not as comfortable as she would like. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that one night, that one night I won't be sleeping much, but the others I'll be fine. Okay, because uh, I'm sure that uh, should I have put uh, Mrs. T in that uh, situation, one would be awake discussing this, uh, and I'm pretty sure I would have been heading down to the hotel lobby to request a different room. <laughs> Standing there in your boxer shorts, wagging your finger. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It was it was crazy, and you know it's weird. Uh, I and part of it still having you know Cindy is recovering from chemo still. She's uh, doing better, but uh, it's, it's still a process. So I was been part of the deal I made with Cindy was that uh, I was going to be extremely careful masks and, you know, mm -hmm. good social distancing and all the rest of that with this trip. So, you know, there is a hotel, uh, there is a hot tub in the hotel and I didn't even get to sit in a hot tub. Mm. Yeah, sure. Ah, oh, well, what can one do? Oh, I have one more final shout out. Google calendar. Uh, Google has started doing a new thing. I don't know if you've hit this. I don't know if you use any Gmail stuff. I do have some Google calendars. Yeah. Well, Gmail, cause I don't use Google calendar because well, Apple guy, why would I, but I do use Gmail. It has decided, and I have no idea how to turn this off because I looked that it wants to create invisible Google activities, Google blocks for things that come in my email and email me reminders. So I had a hotel booked. It had a time and a date. Google thought this was a 24 hour time block. 
and even better, sent me about 30 different emails, including one at six o'clock this morning, telling me that I have this time booked mm. for two days ago. Oh my God, what a pain. I have no idea if... That's a feature. Feature, not a bug. Just as great. Oh God. Yeah. The, and, and there's a link to it that says, uh, download the Google app to manage this. It's like, no, I'm not putting Google app on my Mac. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was extremely frustrated by all of these emails. It's been a week for emails. I'm on a, on another mail list. Uh, do you know who Richard Bender is? Richard Bender? No, can't say I do. Bender. Bender. No. He, Bender, he is a fountain pen repairer, restorer, trainer of all people from the Andersons to the Goulets. He teaches them how to repair nibs. Uh, he's an old school guy. He's been doing this for a long time. I think he's largely retired now, but he does a mailing list. And somehow something on his mailing list got messed up. So if you mailed him, it actually got mailed out to his mailing list. Now, one of those things comes up and one looks at that and goes, oops, somebody's got a technical error. The mailing list accidentally posted somebody's personal email that they sent to it. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you think half of the people on the mailing list do? Reply all. <coughs> so guess what you're, yep. Um, my spam and email for the last two days Please remove me from this mailing list. Uh, what is this? You know, I, I can't believe in this day. We've had email. I mean, we've had an email on our desktops for 30 years, Stu. <laughs> how do people not understand the basics of how email works? And this, this poor guy, I know he's a, he's an older guy. You know, he runs a pretty much a, a web 1.0 website. Um, you know, he's a very nice guy. He says some helpful emails about pen tuning and things like that, but you know, this is not what I would expect to be technical. You can see it's a problem, but wow, people's responses far outweighed the problem. Let's just jump on it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, again, okay, I'm, I'm going to come back at you on this one. Oh dear. Um, I play, I play golf and I'm a member of a golf club. Uh, now I play golf because I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not particularly competitive generally. But if I'm playing competitive golf, then then I compete. You know, I do the best I can. Mm -hmm. I, I like to think I'm a good loser and a good winner, but, uh, well, I'll let other people be the judge of that. Now, <laughs> because I play to a reasonable standard, uh, I'm in a certain handicap bracket. So I, my, I have a single-figure handicap. And um, somebody, I don't know who, decided that, therefore, I would want to play in the it's kind of the good golfers match play league. Oh, so that's where you're pitted against, you know, a single opponent. Uh, and it's every Wednesday morning. Hmm, that's convenient. And I was asked, yeah, I was asked to join this. And I said, uh, actually guys, I'm very flattered. That's brilliant. And, um, I'm really upset that I can't play, but, uh, you know, the, these people that give me money, they expect me to turn up now and again. What can I say? I have to go to work. So, uh, count me out. Thanks. They decided to leave me in the email chain. Oh. So every, oh, I don't know. It must be Sunday, Sunday or Monday. I get the fixtures, which I'm never on because I'm not playing. And that is, I suppose there's maybe 20, 
20 people on this thing. So that's then 20 people all over the age of 60, <laughs> all then replying with, uh, yep, yeah, can't play this Wednesday. Uh, my granddaughter's got an ingrown toenail and I have to hear, uh, swim the Atlantic or something. And as you say, all of them appear to use um, Google and all of them appear to have reply to all as their default. Mm -hmm. And so I get these huge long chains of emails and then it goes quiet until Tuesday when everybody sees the, the weather forecast. It <laughs> goes, oh, well, it looks like there's, there's a danger of four drops of rain tomorrow. I'm out. Uh, John and I are going to play ours on Friday morning at 11.55. And again, this is all reply to all. This is all reply to all. And I went to the organizer once and said, look, could you remove me from the, the list, please? Because um, I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not interested in the weather or the scores. Uh, and he went, yeah, yeah, and didn't do it. So then on, on Wednesday afternoon, I get all the scores coming in. I beat James three and two. And uh, okay, fantastic. Again, all reply to all. Eventually, <laughs> I, I replied to all. And I said, I've been asked. I've asked to be removed from this thread now twice and it hasn't happened. So any more replies that come to me, I will assume as your express consent that I can conduct a full financial investigation based upon your email address, your name, your date of birth, which I've managed to obtain from the club. <laughs> no more. Did you get removed pretty quick? No, no more replies. <laughs> oh, yes. I should have tried something like that. That's what you have to do. Take take the compliance officer's route. It's the way forward. Yes. Uh, so how's things going for you? Uh, how, are you a straight A student yet? <laughs> well, um, if they're giving out straight A's for organization, then I think I probably am. It's uh, it's spelt with an S, Justin, organization. No, no Zs in organization. No, Google tells me it's got a little wavy red line underneath. It's, it's wrong, <laughs> Stu. That's because you've got American English set. I mean, d does Google have a Canadian English setting? Probably not. Uh, I think it does, but nothing ever gets oh, spelled correctly in the Canadian version either. So, <laughs> I mean, ca Canada is, you know, we're, we're, we think we're British, but we also think we're American. So we're kind of somewhere in between and nobody knows how to spell anything. And we have an official second language, which puts like little dots and lines above half of your letters half the time. So. <laughs> Oh, well, there we go. Look at that. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the doorbell. Uh, one moment. <laughs> well, sorry about that. that. That's my wife who's, uh, well, uh, taken leave of her senses. Locked herself out and is ringing the doorbell just to make sure you're on. <laughs> Bizarrely, we had a conversation a couple of hours ago. We said, what time are you recording? Five o'clock. Well, I'll be back before then. Okay, no problem. Then at quarter to five, <laughs> when I realized that she wasn't going to be back, I sent her a message telling her the dogs were with me and that I'd be recording at five. So now at quarter past five, she decides to ring the doorbell in my office and drive up. <sighs> ah, you see, well, I'll find out what I did wrong momentarily, I suggest. <laughs> Where was I? What was I talking about? I've completely we were talking, lost my we're, We were arguing about spelling, but that's okay. <laughs> well, yes. All, all the funny accents. The, the so French. I assume you're talking about the French. Yes, yes. yes. We, we. Well, you know, I mean, where would we be without little squiggles? 
story of my life. All right, Stuart, let's, let's get back to something serious. What are you using as your tool of the week? I'm curious about this one. Yeah, well, my tool of the week, uh, having to sort of begin that whole logistics planning thing again, um, I started booking things. I started putting things into the calendar. And I went, I'm sure I used to be able to automate this. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I literally had to sit there and think about it for a while. Um, and the, the answer was TripIt, mm. uh, which is an iOS app. Um, it's a, it's a web service, I think, more than anything else. Okay. But it has an iOS app. Um, and any sort of uh, itinerary or ticket or booking, uh, I forward it to, to TripIt. And it sort of puts it into an itinerary for me on that app, which you know, is set out in a very logical, sensible, easy way. Uh, and also subscribes me to a calendar, uh, which marks everything on the calendar. Nice. And unlike Google, you can turn the uh, notifications off, which might come in handy for, for a friend of mine in Canada. Yeah. Very nice. I'll have to look at that. Is it a pay service? Uh, there's a freebie one, um, but then if you want it to do all sorts of funky things, then there's an annual annual fee for it now. Mm-hmm. I will have to take a look into that. And you said it's a web service, so I'm assuming I can access it from my Mac as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, once, once you've, um, uh, got yourself set up, then, uh, all you do is you forward your itineraries and it just appears on your calendar anyway. So you don't really need to access anything. So it doesn't send me a series of emails six minutes apart telling me that tomorrow I have a hotel booked at the same time, which is <laughs> the most useless. Anyway, it can do. <laughs> what about you? What was your tool of the week? All right. So one of the things that I forgot about when traveling and you know how sometimes you just light money on fire every year and you don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. I had to use a VPN, Stu, Uh because even my phone came up and told me, oh, some sketchy Wi-Fi over here. Uh, You need to, it's not WPA3 secure. And Mm -hmm. so I, I have a subscription that I apparently have been paying for for the last number of years without thinking about. Uh, for TunnelBear VPN and TunnelBear, I, I remember getting onto that. It's now, I think, a McAfee product, but I've been on it for many, many years and I got onto it through, uh, well, it's me, a podcast app or a podcast ad, because you know, that's how you buy things, right? You get a discount code through for sure. Um, but anyway, it, it was a good app. Uh, I haven't really used it in the last two years working from home and all that. But I used it a lot, and boy, was I glad I had it. Uh, though you do have a bit of a problem clearing captive tunnels and all that fun stuff that you have to deal with. But yes, I felt a lot more secure with that. The one thing I forgot about, and again, stuff you don't think about right away, Apple, if you connect on one device, wants to auto-connect you on every device you have with you. Mm-hmm. So I tend not to put my phone on anything because, well, you don't bother, right? You know, you've got decent data. You've got good, good connection. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Uh, but I needed to get in, do some work back at the hotel. Uh, so I logged in through my Mac and I looked at my phone and all of a sudden I noticed, oh, my podcasts have all downloaded rather than me streaming them, which I do when I'm, I'm on, on cell phones. And I looked at them and said, oh, it has automatically connected without me activating the VPN on my dad to the 
Wi-Fi of the hotel just because I'd logged in on my, on my Apple device. Oh, is that right? So, uh, if you are traveling, be, be warned about that. If you have multiple devices, um, and make sure you activate your VPN on each one of those. All oh, right. Is there no way to turn that off? I don't know. I really only noticed it the other day and went, oh yeah, I think I came into that feature once before. I noticed it at work, so it wasn't a big deal at all because, you know, again, but uh, it, when, when you're doing that on a bit more sketchy hotel Wi-Fi, one does have to be a little bit more concerned. Yeah, because when it happens to me, it tends to be because, you know, eight years previously, I'd been in a hotel owned by the same chain. Mm. <laughs> and it just sort of, you know, logs back on for some reason. But uh, hmm, yes, I shall look into that before I get on me travels. Yeah, so assuming that you're traveling with more than one Apple device, which you may be down to two, but I doubt that you'll be down to one. <laughs> I, I think it's almost impossible that either of us could go anywhere with just one Apple device. All right. Okay. So, so a couple of things here, Stu. I, I got some confessions over last week. <laughs> no iPad. You took you took your monitor with you. I did not take the monitor. <laughs> okay. I tr I traveled extremely light. I took my laptop. I took my phone. I took a small charger. Mm -hmm. I probably I was actually seeing. Can I get away without a charger? It's going to be a bit of touch and go because I'm in the office for two days mm -hmm. and uh, especially using it at night in the hotel as well. Yeah, for sure. So I did take the charger. Uh, I charged my phone from the car as I was driving. So I didn't need a charger for that. I, I didn't take the uh, iPad. So I didn't have um, email while I was driving or if I stopped for a coffee or lunch somewhere, it was, it was very liberating. It was a, an extremely lightly packed set of uh, clothes and technology. I took uh, the little Lockby with four pen holes in it, mm -hmm. uh, one notebook, my day planner, and one, one book that I'm reading, and that was it. It was extremely minimalist. And I blame you for this because last week we talked about it. I got some ideas. And it worked really well. So thank you, Stu. You're very welcome. It's uh, constraints are liberating. I know that sounds like a contradiction in terms, but it's not. No, it wasn't. And I even came back with my underwear, my spare set in time. So there we go. <laughs> Everything else got used as planned. So I was, I was really quite productive. Well, there we go. Anyway, um, back to something interesting. What are you writing with this week? Uh, what have I done this week? Well, it was sort of changeover for me last week. Um, and I, first of all, it was a, a correction. I said, I put JFK in my platinum and mm -hmm. I didn't. <gasps> so, um, no, I'd put uh, blue black by diamine, um, in the platinum three, seven, seven, six, because that's the ink that I've put into my little, uh, inkwell from, uh, my do deck. I've got a do deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, block, I suppose you call that, has two little uh, ink bottles with it. And one of those has got blue, black by diamond, not JFK by Mont Blanc. I do apologize. Um, not that anybody cares. <laughs> I was going to say, I can hear the unsubscribe button going right now. That's it. <laughs> Stu was the voice of reason. He would, he lied to me. That's it. We're done. <laughs> um, and what have I inked up? I inked up my, uh, 1911, my sailor 1911, which is Lovely. bright yellow. Lovely. Um, 
And I put in it uh, an ink that's new to me, Wagner mm. by uh, Diamine. It's from the, the Diamine music set, mm-hmm. uh, unsurprisingly. And it's a sort of, it's a weird colour. It's sort of greeny, yellowy sort of thing going on there. I'm not sure I'm wild about that colour, um, but it may grow on me, you never know. Um, but I am wild about the pen. I mean, it's just just beautiful. All sailors, lovely writers. What about you? Well, first first thought when you were talking about uh, Wagner by Diamine, I'm thinking, I'm looking outside, most of the snow has kind of gone. I can see <clears throat> some green, mostly green, in fact, on my back lawn. Well, greeny brown because it's been covered in snow for the last several months. But I'm thinking I'm almost to the point where I can order ink against you. This is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go back and see if Cult Pen still has my order in my cart ready to go. Because that was a lot of diamine ink because everybody used a lot more ink. As far as pens, so hmm, how do I say this? I've got a couple of pens that I bought since I've been at this house that I wasn't happy with the nibs. And I've had some, well, let's call it less than spectacular customer service and warranty, uh, particularly on a Leonardo pen, which I bought out of the US and I paid customs duties when it came through the border and the only way they would actually fix the nib was for me to mail my costs there yeah sure we'll reimburse you my pen back to them they would fix it and send it to me again hence getting another ton of customs duties and I've kind of been, I bought this in November and I've been sort of sitting on that. I didn't really want to go to the post office to mail it back. And it's just kind of dragged on. And it's been one of those things that's been on my mind. So I said, I'm just going to buy myself, looked at, looked online. I'm going to buy myself a new nib for it. So I went back to Leonardo, which is an Italian company. The nib is reasonably priced, 28 euro. 40 euro to ship in jo- a Yovo nib, which does not come with the housing. That is just the flat nib itself. Mm. 40 euros. Wow. I thought that was a little excessive. So, and this is a steel nib. This isn't, you know, ma- um, gold or anything. So, um, I was looking online at Anderson's. They actually, Anderson's pen out of Wisconsin middle of nowhere i think actually where mike schmidt lives up there in correct yeah um strange strangest weird coincidence that people will listen to all podcast out of this little town in wisconsin um but they do their own branded uh yovo nips and you know brian anderson is a very very strong pen guy and i figured you know what the chances are that their quality control is going to be pretty high so I decided I was going to buy that. And I also had the Estabrook Novo Blue that I purchased and I wasn't happy with the nib. I fixed the nib, but it just didn't write as cleanly as this. I, I like an extra fine. And by the time I'd bent the nib back into shape, it was, yeah, you know, more of a stew nib than a Justin nib. <laughs> uh, so I bought a replacement Estabrook nib as well. Threw it all in, had it shipped to me. Relatively good uh, shipping price. I think the shipping price from them was uh, less than the entire nib would have cost me from Leonardo themselves. And I replaced both of the nibs and I've inked both of those pens up. Lovely. Absolutely changed my relationship, particularly with the 
Estabrook because I have a pen, uh, a nib that I love. Um, it was worth the money for it. The Leonardo, I never got to use that before because a nib was the worst I've ever seen. It was unusable, but it's an orange Leonardo and I put Mont Blanc Lucky Orange in it, which is, oh, it's just a nice earringly blindingly bright orange and it's lovely excellent so i have two pens that i inked up this week i took those traveling with me absolutely love them and you know it comes to the point where you look at it and you say i paid you know a couple hundred us for these pens maybe investing in the nib that you enjoy yes it's an extra cost but it's well worth it because it changed my relationship with that pen rather than one that I've inked once or twice and then put into a drawer and kind of forgotten about these are pens that will now become part of the rotation. So just sort of a food for thought as far as replacing your own nibs. And that's always a fun and exciting process as well. Ripping apart pens and for sure, you know, the, the Yova ones are particularly fun because you have to disassemble the, the feed and realign everything yourself because they don't come as a screw-in unit for sure but um if if you do want to avoid doing that um the sort of purchasing you're doing there i'm i'm going to give a shout out to uh to gold pens um mm. i mean they're partially i suppose they're a competitor to me but <laughs> they're not really um they ship i think it's over 130 or something something like that 130 euro 140 euro um it's not a huge amount of money when you're talking fountain pens and ink let's put it that way uh, <laughs> they ship for free mm. worldwide and you can always reach out to cult pens in advance and you know if there's a tweak or you know a nib change if they can help you they will they're, they're fantastic people they're really really good mm. um and so yeah next time you're thinking of grabbing yourself a pen and a, uh, a nib and some ink, maybe count those guys into the calculations as well. Yeah, I will, because certainly this uh, vendor that I've used before, the lack of customer service or just the, the lack of a simple transaction, you know, having to ship things in and out of the country or, you know, mm -hmm. it just... It got to the point where it was just not worth it, you know, and it was cheaper. It was less stress for me to throw money at the problem and buy something theoretically wasteful uh, because I'm buying my own nib replacement from another competitor because I don't want to deal with their customer service. That's never a good sign, you know, like something's wrong. Uh, cult pens. I've not bought pens from them. I bought a lot of inks. I might've, I might've bought a couple of pens. Mm. Uh, I don't usually think about them because they are English and conversion is, is always such a, well, a pain and just sort of out of mindset. Uh, but yeah, I should really give them, I, I know Pelicans, they do a fantastic, uh, XVAT price on for, you know, if, if I want to buy a new Pelican, sure. that's where I'm going to look at because they've got some extremely competitive, I think because of where their marketplace is. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't really looked at that post-Brexit, but uh, something to consider. Definitely good, good idea. Yeah, good outfit. Right. Well, here we are. We arrive at the topic. So what are we talking about today, Justin? Well, apparently we're talking about everything because uh, we're dragging on. <laughs> Indeed. I recently read 
the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Now, I think anybody that's been listening to productivity podcasts or, well, just general podcasts in general, I have heard of Carol Dweck's work. I think it's probably about 10 years old now, 10, 12 years old. Her book Mindset has a very simple premise that it, everybody falls into a mindset of either having a fixed or a growth mindset. And I kind of knew what they were. I've heard them talked about. I've heard this book discussed. And I thought I kind of knew what it was. And honestly, it's a, it's one of those books that I think there's two pages in the introduction that tell you what this is, and that's all you need to read from it. If you want a very cursory understanding of it. Mm -hmm. But for me, this book was very, well, it's very therapeutic to, re to read and go through. And I thought it might be an interesting discussion to look at mindsets and productivity and how they sort of relate. So there are two mindsets as defined by Carol Dweck. The fixed mindset is we are defined by inherent characteristics. So we feel that we are given a certain number of talents and characteristics inherently in our, our personality. And those largely don't change over time. Our ability to use those is what, what does change. This makes people that think with a fixed mindset, they're very results oriented. Uh, everything is evaluated. You know, it's, it's pass or fail. Did I do well? Didn't I do well? The growth mindset, which is the other class of people are defined by people who choose to be in a growth mindset. They're process oriented people. They're not as interested in the result. They're interested in the process. Uh, they believe that everyone can grow and change, uh, and they grow through application and experience. Stu, anything you'd like to add to the description so that uh, we had some clarity in case I've missed something? Uh, no, I mean, I think you, you've got them there. It's, I suppose the fixed mindset is the one that um, would be viewed as the, the more traditional, older, mm -hmm. uh, established way of thinking and the growth mindset as being more modern thinking. Correct. And this is one of those that honestly, everybody has a combination of fixed and growth mindsets, depending on situation and upbringing and all the rest of that. So it's not like you are all in one camp or all in the other, you're making a choice. The idea though, is that a fixed mindset, fixed mindset thinking, I think is a better way to say that can limit you because you are coming in with the results focused, the evaluation focused, and the idea that you are playing with a limited deck and you're just maximizing that. The growth mindset, as Sue said, is kind of that more modern thinking where people are really trying to engage in the process and grow above and beyond what their potential as a, as a person was. So we, you know, we've, we've heard these and I don't know about you, Stu, but I think all podcasters out there want to be in the growth mindset. And I'm, I'm, I think most of them think they are, and I'm not sure how true that is after reading this book. How about, how about you? What are your, what are your thoughts on how people view this? Is it, 
Is it something that is, I just want to sound like I'm there or are people really there? And I'm just, you know, perhaps uh, dragging a little bit on this one. Well, I, I think, um, the, the growth mindset is much more attractive, uh, to, uh, dare I say it, liberal, um, free thinking, egalitarian people, because part of growth mindset is anyone can be, can be anyone that one can turn one's, one's mind to something and make it happen. And that's far more democratic than the older view of a fixed mindset, which is that guy is bright. He's going to go to an Ivy league university. He's going to be, uh, you know, king of the world. That guy over there is very sporty. He's going to get a scholarship to a, to a school that plays great football or baseball or cricket or rugby, whatever it might be. But I would say, uh, in defense of the fixed mindset, uh, the fixed mindset doesn't have to be negative. Mm -hmm. And if you read Dweck's work, she does point out that fixed mindset will very often get you a long way. Mm -hmm. um, it, it may then hinder you in other areas. And, and the example I have for that is I was, I was on a sort of conveyor belt at school. So um, I come from fairly um, working class, lower middle class background. I don't know where you would put it, but my father was in the Royal Air Force, as was my mother. And they weren't, you know, he wasn't commanding squadrons. You know, he, he worked for a, for a living. And so we weren't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. And I went to um, a normal primary school. Well, I went to Roman Catholic primary school. So I was beaten by nuns, whether I liked it or not. <laughs> but they, uh, somebody at that school, I think it was the headmaster, um, identified me as being, being brighter than the average bear. And so this whole conversation started, mostly above my head, um, about whether I should go to public school. Now, I've just said something that's going to cause complete confusion. Mm -hmm. Right. Public school in English means private school. Don't ask why. It's not worth knowing. But there are two education systems in the United Kingdom. There is the state school system, which is free to all. And then there is the public school system, which is actually the private school system and involves you giving money in return for an education. Everybody get that? Right. Good. This is this is a bit like your S's instead of Z's, right? <laughs> it's just one of those things that, you know, if you write this down, Google's just going to put a, reg a red line under the whole thing and say <laughs> it does not compute. Exactly. So what happened was that everybody had this conversation saying, uh, we think this, this uh, boy has potential and he should go to a private school. And to do that, uh, you, the first thing you have to do is assess your finances because it's very, very expensive. And there was a, uh, a school reasonably local to where we lived at the time, had a very good reputation, and uh, it had a scholarship scheme. And uh, I had to take some exams, so competitive exams, to get the scholarship for that year. And I came second. Uh, I, I know who came first because I beat him up later, but we'll get to that that that, <laughs> that part of the story at another time. So I came second, um, beaten in the exams. Apparently, it was very close, um, or possibly beaten in the in the interview. Who knows? And I remember I was uh, I went to bed and I was crying. I was I was distraught. I was ten years old because 
you know, it's sort of been played up to me that this was <laughs> this was Nirvana I was trying to get into, mm-hmm. and and I'd, I'd missed my chance. Um, and then my dad came up to the bedroom and sort of spoke to me and said, "Look, there's still a chance you can go to this school, but you'll have to be a boarder." Now I didn't know what a boarder was, but I went, "Yeah, okay." Uh, and he went, "Okay, what what boarding means is that you don't live here with us." You don't live with mum and dad. You go and live at the school. And I was 10. I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not not realising at the time I was breaking my mother's heart, but this isn't, this isn't a therapy session anyway. So I went off to this boarding school, and that was partially funded by the Royal Air Force, um, partially funded by parents who you know worked their watsits off to be able to afford this. But I, I, I had to live at school and I get the whole experience. Now, private schools in the UK provoke enormously strong feelings uh, about elitism and, and, you know, quite rightly so. But there, there is a whole sort of debate around them. Having, uh, being a product of a private school, the one thing I can say is that I went there with a mindset, but was then given a new mindset. Yes, it would be a fixed one, but it was all, the fixed mindset was very much a reflection of what you would now call a growth mindset which was you can do anything and not only can you do anything you should do everything and you should throw yourself into everything that's there and find what you're brilliant at and excel at it and you will be the best and you will you will lord it over poor people or no no that bit was made up but um i think your uh, politicians may disagree with that that part was made up <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, uh, Eton, uh, let's not get into that because we're going to get in now to private school rivalry and I'll explain to you why my school was better than that school. Anyway, <laughs> from that point of view, I was given opportunities and I'm presented with things that I would not have received in the state school system. Mm. And a lot of people, my wife included, will will argue, but she came out the other end an arrogant beep. <laughs> <laughs> to which I'll respond, well, I, I prefer self-confident, darling, but uh, yes, you're right. Um, and and that was the, the sort of playoff. But that mindset that those schools have, I think to this day, uh, is incredibly powerful mm-hmm. and drives people to to achieve things and, and to, to feel that they can achieve anything. However, the next time that I've come across sort of the fixed mindset, growth mindset conversations or mindset conversations generally are in the corporate environment mm-hmm. where um, a company that I've been doing some work with recently, uh, it, it sort of kept cropping up in emails. And remember, have a growth mindset about this. <laughs> I thought, hmm, I'm not quite sure what this means. And so I sort of dug back into what they were doing. And essentially, everybody had had a sort of four-hour training course uh, attended a seminar and were, you know, henceforth going to have a growth mindset and it was all going to be fabulous. Mm. And uh, uh, newsflash, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you cannot take a tablet to get a growth mindset, or nor can you attend a seminar for four hours and go, that's it, my life has changed. Mm-hmm. I've made it. I have a growth mindset. It doesn't work like that. That's the story of my life there, Stu. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think... Obviously, with all these things, there's there's a huge amount of importance in how, how one defines it um, and how one looks at it. I think to say that I have a growth mindset about 
everything is nonsense because I'll bet people don't. But I think there are people who are locked into fixed mindsets because it's very comfortable being locked into a fixed mindset. I'm not so sure it's uh, comfortable because what one of the things that this book was a revelation for me, you know, as, as I mentioned, I, th I think the concept is fairly simple and we won't get into the execution of how you change your, your mindset by naming it. And that just did not sit well with me. Um, but what I, what I was doing when I read this book was realizing that I grew up as a product of fixed mindset behavior. Um, I was, you know, everything was judged by the results and I was a prime candidate for, if I can't do it, I'll lose interest in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is one of the challenges that they, they had. I was, I was, I hate to say the word encouraged, but I was almost demanded to be perfect. Um, and I, I found it very easy to get discouraged and avoid trying if I couldn't immediately excel at something. And that is part of that fixed mindset. And I kind of wonder how much, you know, of my adult life is also the same way you know, been the best at work, uh, taking things, you know, there's a section on, co on coaching where Dweck talks about, uh, coaches in a fixed mindset, taking things very personally. Mm -hmm. And I think about, you know, myself as, as a manager and as a, as a leader and yeah, you know, some, sometimes when things go wrong, I take it very personally. So I, I looked at this and realized that, wow, I do have a lot more of this fixed mindset than I would, you know, I, I would love to say that I have growth mindset and that I'm part of this new liberal thought process, but really, you know, I, I still grew up with a lot of the fixed mindset behavior. Um, and it was, it was interesting, you know, uh, how being judged by the results is, has been important to me. And I, I, I kind of thought from there is that, is it the fixed mindset tendencies that bring me to productivity? Because one of the things that uh, Carol Dweck says is that keeping track of daily successes is a fixed mindset perspective. And some of the, you know, to-do lists that we started with and the systems that we put in are checking things off a box and getting things done and being productive. And I, I was thinking, I, was, I, I don't know if this is true, and I wanted to talk to Stu about this, but is that fixed mindset behavior? Uh, Stu, uh, I, I know, comes from a different, a different mindset, predominant mindset than I do. And I was kind of curious whether this is something within people that care about productivity? Is it a fixed mindset behavior that they're, they're interested in? Is it the growth behavior? Is it somewhere in between or does it just fit everything? And that was kind of where I wanted to go with this. Hmm. I mean, I think for me, when I, when I look at, um, a, my own sort of, uh, journeys around both productivity and, um, measurement that it's not a mindset driven thing. I think it can be, mm -hmm. as you say, um, there are times, there are parts of me that start measuring things for the sake of measuring them. Mm -hmm. 
And um, as you say, am I using some sort of fixed mindset barrier or or target that I want to strive towards? Um, well, maybe I don't know. Um, right now, I have um, based on uh, Elastic Habits by Stephen Guys. Um, I have bronze, silver, and gold targets for uh, how much walking I do in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's X kilometers to bronze, and then Y to, to silver, and Z to gold. And that is intended to be a device to push me towards walking more. Mm. Uh, and it works. Good. So is that a fixed mindset thing? I suppose it could be. But I, I don't think that if you're in a growth mindset, I don't think that you abandon all measurement because measurement and the achievement of um, uh, milestones doesn't necessarily need to be purely fixed mindset. That can be growth mindset, which is, you know, have I learned something today? Mm-hmm. I thought about this in terms of everybody has some fixed and some growth. And I know I do myself. Yeah. But, you know, certainly looking at it and saying predominantly I grew up and a lot of my adult life has been fixed mindset-based results-oriented, judging myself against what I could do. Mm-hmm. But I look at that and go, you know, this isn't a bad thing because I think a lot of this mindset that we see is that, oh no, fixed mindset is bad. You need to be all growth. And I think everybody is a mixture of the two. Mm-hmm. And using, even if it is more of a fixed mindset mentality to drive yourself, if you can combine those and use the best things of tracking and things like that, which are, you know, potentially more on the fixed mindset and use that to accelerate your growth, put your growth, for example, I'm interested in learning about the process. Let's schedule the time for that learning. That I think is a combination of these mindsets that is perhaps even stronger than just this. I'm curious and see where I go. Um, and that, that was kind of where I was thinking about this. Like, it's, it's interesting to kind of say, do we all have to become, you know, uh, proponents of, we only want to be in the growth mindset. Can we have some elements of both in our life and how do we make those really, really effective for us and, and build that into the habits that we want to is everything growth. I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thought. I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this book in case you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think she does. She does use a lot of examples uh, from sport where certain athletes have adopted a, a growth mindset, and that's helped them to excel and become even better at what they do. Um, and then there are others who've got a fixed mindset who have um, found it very difficult when they've come up against adversity. So the, the big fixed mindset example she uses almost punitively, I think, is, is John McEnroe mm-hmm. <laughs> and his, uh, you know, all of his antics to, to sort of justify why he wasn't winning rather than saying, okay, why is um, Ivan Lendl mentally stronger than me? Why is that? What can I learn from him? He would just say that Ivan Lendl is a robot and throws rackets around and do all that stuff, which is fine. These, these are illustrative points. But at the same time, I can guarantee to you that Ivan Landl was at the other end of the court with a very fixed mindset, which is I'm going to win, and this is how I'm going to win. This is my plan, and this is what I'm going to do. So, um, you know, you're right. I think it is a blend of everything. 
And there's a danger in equating, um, you know, something like productivity, which is in itself a sort of analogous thing, um, with with one mindset or another. I think where it's useful is really that sort of self-awareness and that challenge to say to yourself, um, I do it all the time. So I used to be a heavy smoker, for example. I smoked, I don't know, three, four packs of cigarettes a day. Um, and my my dad, who died from an aortic aneurysm, was was told that he had to stop smoking before they operated. This was a huge thing. It was very important. And he couldn't. Mm. And he couldn't, not because he was a weak man, he was far from that, but because he had a mindset that he was a smoker. And I had that mindset too. And it was only really by challenging that that I thought, well, hang on, why what, Why am I a smoker? I'm a smoker because I've chosen to be. So you, you, you get into the whole uh, area then of limiting beliefs. So, you know, I, I can't give up smoking because I'm a smoker. That's just the way I am. Mm-hmm. And you have to challenge all of those things. It, it may be that you are X, Y, or Z, but I was famous for um, my lack of attention to detail. <laughs> and I still am, to be honest. And then in between times, I became a compliance officer, a money laundering reporting officer. So the epitome of detail, <laughs> the one person that checks every box, looks in every cupboard who, who checks everything 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 is a compliance officer and in the right mindset i can be that person it might not be my natural mindset but it, it is one that i can put on that i can adopt for a certain set of tasks and what i try and do now is whenever i'm thinking something i am something or i am not something so i cannot draw or you know i'm not an artist or i am and I, any of those things i try and challenge them and say okay well hang on let's Let's look at this differently. Could I be? Do I want to be? Should I look at how much fun it is? That's the important thing. Hmm. I am not bald. I am not bald. I am not bald. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Didn't help, Stu. I still am. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. I, I heard talk only last week of a small tuft. Yes. <laughs> there you go. You see that? That, 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 that tuft could be the beginnings of great things. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I was telling Stu on the weekend we had a conversation and uh, I apparently missed a little point on the top of my head, right under where my uh, headphones sit when I'm recording, uh, of hair. And uh, when I was shaving, I, I usually shave my head because, well, I'm just one of those people. I, if, I, if I have just the sides growing in and the little tufts on top, I, I, I don't think I look very good. So I shaved the whole thing. And I missed a spot and I, I was in the mirror and I noticed, you know, I, I don't know if it's maybe, maybe it's just a shaving thing Stu. I'm not sure if you do this when you shave, you know, if, if you shave your face, but you don't miss a little bit when it's kind of small. Mm-hmm. It's not until this has grown a substantial amount that you actually find this hair. <laughs> and so there's me with this little faux hawk. Uh, yeah, you know, probably three eighths of an inch of, uh, surprisingly, my beard is gray, but the hair on top of my head, thin though it is, is actually dark, uh, brown. And so I looked in the mirror and I saw this weird little, you know, uh, quarter inch wide faux hawk where I'd be shaving and I just couldn't help but laugh. It was funny. <laughs> so yes, maybe I'm not bald, but anyway, uh, no, it, I think you're right. It is, uh, mindset is a big thing. I think it's important. 
And I think what you're saying is that we do get into this point where we do have fixed, we do have growth, but trying to, you know, look at yourself and understand yourself in certain situations, a fixed mindset in compliance is going to be much better for you than potentially a growth mindset. You know, there are traits that you could put in that utilize both of them. And I think, you know, uh, Dweck doesn't really say it in the book, but I think that finding, doing that reflection, finding those things that work for you to accomplish what you want to do, and more than anything, avoid the limiting beliefs of the fixed mindset, yeah. even though you may utilize that at certain points to strategically utilize those, I think is the best way to look at this. It was, uh, it was an interesting book for me. I, I got a lot of, uh, well, my takeaway on this one, this book was cheaper than therapy for me, uh, <laughs> but it caused pr potentially as much self-reflection. I haven't thought about my childhood so much uh, since I was in my childhood. And so I'm not sure I can recommend the book in terms of what the results that you get out of it are, but that understanding and that process, if you're willing to go through that journey, certainly is an interesting way to reevaluate where you are now and hopefully bring in some, some more growth mindset, if that is of value to you. How about you, Stu? What is your final thoughts on sort of the book, the topic, and what are your takeaways? Um, I think, you know, I, I would recommend the book um, for, for largely the same reasons as you. You know, it provokes thought, uh, makes you consider. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to try and get um, the current Mrs. Lennon to read it because oh. I think she has some very fixed ideas about who she is and, and what she can be and what she can't be. Mm. And I think she, she maybe limits herself too much. Um, and as any married man will tell you, there's no point in me telling her that I need to find someone else to tell her that. Mm. And I, I think it's a book that would provoke thought in her as well. So, uh, I, I do recommend it. My takeaway from it is that regardless of mindset, self-belief is huge. It's, it's that, whether it be part of the growth mindset or part of a fixed mindset, it's that belief that you can achieve what you set out to achieve is massively important. I think, you know, um, what is it, Henry Ford, uh, whether you think you can or you can't, you're probably right. I think that's what yeah, he said. I've, I've heard the quote. I'm not sure who, who said it, but uh, yes. I think it was that motor car, man. And also, you, you need to understand that, you know, nothing worthwhile is easy. <laughs> that, that, that's important that you have to work at these things. Mm -hmm. uh, it is challenging to change your mindset. It is challenging to uh, accept that you have a lot to learn, particularly if you're you know, long in the tooth like Justin and I. Mm -hmm. Very long in the tooth some days, too. I feel it today. <laughs> Traveling. <laughs> Traveling. I, I got in late last night. Uh, you know, for me, I, I'm an early riser, and I didn't get until 11 o'clock last night, and by the time I wound down and got to sleep, um, oof. Yeah, made for an early morning for me. Anyway, so I'm tired and crabby, which is probably why that's, this episode has gone kind of a little off the rails, but that's okay. Stu, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com, which is where you'll find my writing. You can find me at nerosnotes.co.uk, which is where you'll find my stationery. And you can find me at twitter.com slash stewlennon, where you'll find me being furious about uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. 
Mm. Oh, so I take it you're still on Twitter then at the moment. <laughs> what? Well, recently uh the last week or so almost incessantly justin yes <laughs> ah see uh you you know when i do my intro thing of where you can find me uh, i will it's actually going to say you won't find me much on twitter anymore because <laughs> i've just lived through two years of covid and all the rest of it and i just can't handle it i mean i feel so sorry for everybody but i i just can't i can't i can't i i just need to stay away from it my mindset i got enough going on with a wife with cancer i it's it's so negative um anyway for sure uh though there is an apple event next week that we didn't mention that was the one good thing i somebody did text me and let me know because i missed it on twitter that's how far away from twitter i'm staying i i dare say we will be we will be on a chat channel of our choice uh discussing that as it goes uh, very likely anyway you can find me at uh, justintwife.com is my website i think i've got a post coming up ranting about customer call centers uh, i think i titled it a special place in hell uh, because that tells you everything you need to know about my experiences over the last couple of weeks uh you can email us stationaryadjacent at gmail.com please like and review us on your podcast catch your choice we really appreciate your recommendations to friends and colleagues also if you do have a tendency i'm kind of curious because Stu and i are quite different on our mindsets let us know. Are, do you identify with a fixed mindset? Do you identify with a growth mindset? How do you feel that ties into productivity? I'm kind of curious what uh, our audience thinks about this as well, because, well, we can't agree on anything. Our next topic is going to be on productivity utilities. Which utilities do we use and why? So that means we've got homeworks to do. I'm looking forward to it. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.